This episode is brought to you by Affordable Drill Towers. Founded in 2016 by our good friend Steve Sanguidoce, a retired Houston, Texas firefighter, the Affordable Drill Tower was designed and built with functionality and versatility in mind for any training ground. As a standalone training tower and add-on to an existing burn building or connect setup, the Affordable Drill Tower packs a massive punch at an affordable price tag. With over 50 towers across the country, from Massachusetts to California, Montana to Texas, professionally engineered, NFPA and ISO compliant, the Affordable Drill Towers brings the versatility to your training ground. From Main Street USA, the small town fire company in their back parking lot, to the training grounds of the largest metropolitan fire academy, the Affordable Drill Tower fits the bill for price and functionality. Check them out at AffordableDrillTowers.com. And two things I like to talk about also when talking about our friends over at Affordable Drill Towers. One, their customized training program. They have the ability to bring some of the best talent from across the country to your home turf after the install of the Affordable Drill Tower. Designing a customized training program for you and your department, Steve will facilitate some of the biggest and brightest names of the American Fire Service to come in and work with you and your department. And secondly, and I think most important, is Steve's belief in need over greed. The affordable drill tower company gives back to not-for-profits that support organizations in the American Fire Service. Organizations such as the Joey D Foundation, which is near and dear to Steve Sanguidoche's heart, as well as many other not-for-profits that he takes a part of. He takes great pride in providing funding for organizations that push this job forward. So check them out. Steve and Dennis over at Affordable Drill Towers. Send them an email at info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Check them out on social media. And their YouTube page is kicking butt with great information, training nuggets, and information about their towers. So check them out, Affordable Drill Towers, and let them know Jeremy over at National Fire Radio sent you. This episode's brought to you by Ridgeway Leatherworks. Ridgeway Leatherworks is a firefighter-owned and operated business as well as a family-run business, and that's what I love about it. Rob and his family are passionate about their customer service and the quality product and craftsmanship they put out for the emergency services. Rob's been on the show. We've been to his his business. We've seen them in action. I've even tried to hand-paint radio straps. I promise you, it is not as easy as what the final outcome looks like. The product is so good, it's so clean and crisp, and yet, man, it takes that steady hand. Rob's become a near and dear friend of our podcast, and you hear that over and over when we talk about our sponsors, that they're friends, supporters, and that's what this networking community is all about, is supporting one another. Ridgeway Leatherworks, Rob Meyer, crushing it. Quality and craftsmanship is number one. Customer service is right there with it. From custom radio straps, universal radio holsters, chin straps, flashlight holders, anti-sway straps, and locker tags made out of leather, there's plenty of opportunity along the way when you deal with Ridgeway Leatherworks. So check them out at RidgewayLeatherworks.com. Find them on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. And tell Rob you heard about him on the National Fire Radio platform and give them a little pluck and tell them keep up the good work we need to support our firefighter owned businesses and especially family run businesses where his two daughters and his wife help out day in and day out along with his other employees so again ridgeway leatherworks check them out at ridgewayleatherworks.com and find them on all your social media channels
Hey everybody, Jeremy National Fire Radio. Welcome back to the podcast. Today is going to be fun. I got two brothers on here with me. Two guys that are dedicating their careers to building the next generation in the American Fire Service out of New Hampshire. And I want to I want to go down this road. Today we're going to talk about explorer posts. We're going to talk about junior fire departments. We're going to talk about this unique program that's happening at the New Hampshire Fire Academy. And that's spearheaded by two gentlemen that join me today. Derek Travers, Travers, Travers. I knew I was going to screw that one up, brother. Travers. Travers, I knew it, from the Plastow, New Hampshire Fire Department, and Mike McGinn from the Northwood, New Hampshire Fire Department. Gentlemen, other than butchering the name, the intro wasn't so bad. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Glad man. to be here. So little little background on this conversation. Uh, you guys had reached out. Actually, Derek had reached out, I believe, originally, and uh, just sent an email about... Uh, the department, or it might have been a direct message. I get so many messages, and uh, the message comes through. It says, "Hey, we're doing something unique up here. We'd love for you to to hear about it. We'd love to educate you on it." And you know, uh, like I always say, man, this is what we need to be doing. We need to be talking about the job and all facets and and parts of it. And part of that is growing the next generation, making those young kids fall in love with the fire service that we all love. And uh, in order to do that, we got to have an organized approach. And so I looked over some of the stuff you guys sent. I think it's a really unique program that you guys put together. And I'm very excited to, to talk about it because I think it can influence other types of programs that maybe aren't being done across the board across the country. And, uh, and so that's why today I found it necessary to chat with you guys because I want to hear about what you're doing. I want to learn about the passion that you guys have for instilling these incredible values into our next generation. So thanks for joining me. Um, Derek, why don't we start with you, bro? A little background about yourself so I get an understanding of where you're coming from and why you're doing what you're doing today. So currently today, I'm a lieutenant here with the Plaston New Hampshire Fire Department. We're a, um, we're a combination department. We have uh, five uh, paid guys and then uh, about 20, uh, 20 uh, on-call per diem members of the department. Um, I was a uh, auxiliary firefighter back in the uh, 90s um, in the Metro Boston area. I found my way up into New Hampshire. I lived uh, here and there and everywhere. I found myself here in Plastow, got on the department. So I've been on the department for about eight years here now. Uh, I've been in the emergency services for almost 30 years uh, since I was 23 years old, probably even earlier than that. So I've pushed in 30 years in the in emergency services. Um, and you, you know something, the, the biggest thing for me in, in, in doing this is it's, it's where you know, you raise kids in the firehouse, you're going to raise good kids, right? And we're bringing these kids in the firehouse. Uh, we're bringing them in. We're, we're teaching them, you know, the backbones of the fire service. We're teaching them uh, EMS. We're teaching them uh, community service. Um, so we got a lot going on in our program here with the junior fire department. Our junior fire department is run through the uh, National Volunteer Fire Council. Um, it's a curriculum that's based, that they produce. Um, and it gives us an outline of what we should be teaching the kids, uh, along with some of the stuff. I, I don't have to stay in that curriculum, um, but I use that curriculum as kind of like my backbone of where I, how I proceed in, in my program. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, we started back in uh, last year. I went up to the chief. My son had belonged to a junior program outside uh, of um New Hampshire and, Ma and Massachusetts and West Newbury, Mass, uh, with uh, Dave Evans, who's the deputy chief in West Newbury. He used to run the Massachusetts Fire Academy. And I said to Dave, I'm like, 
can I do this? Can, can I run one of these in Plasto? And he said, absolutely. He's like, he says, I'll give you all the material. We'll have a meeting with your chief. We had a sit down. Um, not long after my sit down with the chief, we went to the school system. Um, we went into the high school. We did some recruitment in the high school. Um, we got about 10, 12, 14 names, seven showed up. And it's been the seven same seven core kids that have started the program that are still with the program and we've built it up to about 12 or 13 kids now so we're growing i think especially after we went through the new hampshire um explorer academy kids seen what we were doing and they're they're interested and they're and they're getting, getting involved and and they want to be a part of it so um i think what we started here in plasto and what we have been able to pull from the new hampshire fire academy has really um kind of bolstered what we're trying to accomplish in this uh, with this junior program here. Well, and that's what I want to talk about, right? Because the New Hampshire, the, the project you have, the the Explorer Academy that you do with the New Hampshire Fire Academy is really what piqued my interest because it's super unique. And before we get there, Mike, give me a little bit of background about yourself, brother. So I have been in the fire service about 20 years. Um, I started as an explorer when I was 14 at, you know, my local department. And when I was 14, I had the opportunity to go to the, uh, the original Explorer Academy, um, which was also at the New Hampshire Fire Academy. And it, it's a hard week. It's at the time it was five days of PT. And um, the way that they used to have it set up was it was a fire one program. So if, realistically, if you started at 14, by the time you were done at 18 years old, you went the four years you had your hours in the curriculum in that you could go now test for your firefighter uh, right. 1A is what they called it at the time. Um, unfortunately, with the way the curriculum is now, we can't do that. But I was fortunate to be able to do that and went four years. Some of the best weeks of my life were at that academy as hard as, you know, as, hard as they were. I but you make lifelong friends, lifelong memories that I, people I still talk to today. Um, and I'm fortunate that as a, so I'm a chef as well. And as a traveling chef, um, I've been able to work in, in Florida as a, a chef and a firefighter. I've worked in Alaska as a chef and a firefighter. I went to the University of Maryland. So I spent about 10 years in the Prince George's County system. I was a live-in at some of the busiest stations in the country, Love it. Um, which was an amazing, amazing time. More fire than you could ever hope for, <laughs> uh, especially as a college kid, you know, which was great. And I still have friends down there and I still get down there and visit and hang out and um, but when I moved home to New Hampshire to, you know, be here, I got on Northwood and I brought our Explorer post back. And I said to my chief, I said, why is this program not happening anymore? Like all of these departments are offering sign on bonuses and all this stuff to try to bring people in. And you can't find people that want to do the job, right? It's it used to be for one firefighting open position, you would have a like, 100 plus applicants yeah and now all, a lot of departments in new hampshire are offering these major sign-on bonuses just to get people in the door yeah. and i said you know it's not a a short-term solution right because these kids are 14 15 you know up to 19 um but if we get them in here and it's a continuous thing this could be part of this solution for the state to really bring people back into the fire service and if you go to the basement floor where the classrooms are at the fire academy, there's a mural on the wall that has probably over 500 names of people that have gone through the Explorer Academy. And, you know, we would have board meetings and I would go through that those names and look, 
and most of these guys and girls are still on the job. Yeah. Even if Hell not yeah. in New Hampshire, it's somewhere else. Yep. It's like, oh, yep. I went with him. I went with him. And I was super fortunate when we brought this program back that even when I put my staff together, I think we had nine people on our staff that went through the old academy in various years. And some of them were actually roommates together when they were teenagers. And now they're back here running this program. So it was just, you know, it's a great thing to bring back to New Hampshire. And I'm, you know, humbled to say that we actually had kids from five states. We had kids from New Hampshire, Massachusetts, uh, Vermont, Maryland, and Virginia. At the academy program. Yeah. So, so let's let's break this down for a second, Mike. I just want to kind of explain because we've been we've been hinting about this academy program that's that's hosted at the uh, New Hampshire State Fire Academy. Uh, yep. You guys run your local explorer or junior programs in your own departments, but then yes. there's this larger program that is a bunk in program for for uh, what did I write down? Eight days and seven nights, where kids yes. that are 14 to 20 years old become part of the fabric of the fire service by living and working in the fire academy for that week. And they're mentored and tutored by gentlemen like yourselves and others that come together to make sure that we're make we're putting together a program that promotes the fire service to this younger generation. Absolutely. Yep. And, and you know something, Jeremy, it was, it was a pretty amazing sight to see for the week because all these guys that came, myself, Mike, um, all so there was a command structure put in place, and you know Mike was the chief, and then there were there were deputy chiefs that run different divisions of the academy, and then there were captains. So I was one of the captains, and I had one of I had a group of kids that had a lieutenant. So the lieutenant was one of the explorers. So and he had a group of kids that so there were there were eight different companies that had about six kids in it apiece, and so there was one lieutenant and five or six uh, cadets with that lieutenant. So. All these guys that came that were captains and above, we all donated our time. Like yeah, in all the instructors, we all donated our time. Yeah. There were well over a hundred people from the state of New Hampshire who came up there, instructors and support people and captains. And, you know, we all donated our time to this. Because it's important. It right. sure is. Like when, when you're when you're into this for the right reasons, right? You guys are are taking time out of your busy lives to to maintain, grow, build a junior or explorer program on the local level, but then to take it another step higher, to offer something that really can instill incredible morals, ethics, values, life lessons, fire service knowledge. When you do that on the level that you guys are doing it today, that's what piqued my interest. There's junior and explorer posts all over the country. Fire departments have them all over. Not many offer a bunk-in program that is like a day. It's like a camp, right? It's like sleepaway yeah. camp for a yeah. week. But it's sleepaway camp for the fire service. It's for kids that are 14, 15, 16 years old, up to 20 years old. But those younger ages are so impressionable. And when you can put together some type of camp program like this where their parents drop them off and a week later we'll come back and pick you up and they have and if, go ahead please talk and about by it. the way they drop them off with no cell phones yeah. Yeah. no computers right no way to get a hold of anybody except for us being able to get a hold of parents there was no electronic not even a radio right you know and they had to focus on the week there was no Snapchatting stuff. There was no Facebooking stuff. There was none of that. They had no access to electronics. And by doing that, 
you know what? They got to focus on, not only did they get to focus on what they were learning, but they made friends. They yeah. interacted. We did things that we did back in the 80s and, and they don't they had no understanding of what they were able to accomplish in that one week without I, electronics. And yeah, this, I mean, yeah, but don't don't vilify the electronics because like we're never going to go back. So <laughs> like you, we, you, you could... You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to task on this one a little bit. Uh, you know, that's fine that those are the rules, but don't vilify the electronics because it doesn't make the child any less uh, involved than you know, say somebody without it from the '80s. You just can't right. compare the two. Two different. Right. You guys use cell phones just as much as your kids do, guaranteed. Right, and, but and I think for us, the the, the there it is. you know the cell phone thing was as the first year coming back, we didn't want anything to end up online. I get uh, it. That could, you know, affect it. the organization. But so, you know, when I said to my chief, I said, why is this program gone? Like, what is going on? Why? Like this had so many people go through it for so many years. You, know, you said from over. 90, from 92 to 15, right? And yeah, then now yeah. it resurged back in 23. You guys brought this program back. So go ahead, Mike. Yeah. So I, you know, I went and met with the director of the fire Academy and his cadre, if you will. And I said, what do, what do I need to do to bring this back? Like this has to become a thing in New Hampshire again. It's too important. You have departments that are offering the sign-on bonuses, not getting anybody. Let's start getting people back into the door and ready. And they said, bring it back, go for it. You know, they had a couple stipulations. I had to come up with a board of directors. Of course. And I had to start fresh. So everything had to be redone. So we couldn't use the same name. We couldn't use the same logo. Everything had to start over. But that's um, okay, though. Yeah, right? it was, you know, it was great. Start. It's a new yeah. start. It's today, not yesterday. Right. And it, it's, it, so we, for this week, we started planning in like March of uh, 22. And so it was about 16 and a half months of planning until day one of the Academy. Yeah. And I told so many people the week of, I was like, I feel like I just planned a wedding because I'm sitting really? back there. Like, sorry, you know, I'm sitting back here watching every, this all go on, you know, the registration day on that Friday. And I'm like, I can't believe that we put this together from scratch from nothing. And, you know, even from the, we had to even redesign our patch, right? Like that even had to be new. And, watching it all unfold after all of that work that so many people put in um, is just incredible. And the kids, I'm still, you know, two months later, still getting emails and, and messages from parents on social media saying, what did you do to our kids? They, they, you know, did not come back the same. They're more responsible. Now they clean their rooms. They're being more polite. They're like, and the end of the week, I actually had a meeting with the kids and they call it a chief's meeting. And I said, I need to know for next year, what did you guys like? What did you not like? What would you like to see different? And, you know, talking about the technology stuff, one of the first things they said was don't change the cell phone rule Good. because you forced us to hang out with each other and get to know each other. Sure. And we actually had a, a group um, come down from another state that had has a, a program similar. Um, it's not as long as ours. And they said, you know, looking at what you guys have online, like you're doing something right. And we need to know what that is. Cause we had a lot of problems at our camp. And I said, okay, well, you know, what are you doing? And they said, well, after five o'clock, it was free time for the kids and they could do whatever they want. And I said, no, that, yeah. So our days started at 5am with the kids. 
and 5 a.m. they had to be out of bed, and by 5.45, they had to be outside for PT. We had a um, couple people from a local department that put together a PT program for them, and everything was different every day. Awesome. Um, a lot of, you know, the, the, the stuff, right, the running, the push-ups, sit-ups, but they also did a lot of um, activities that had to do with firefighting, sure. dragging the hoses, moving the dummies, um, and then, you know, they come back, they have like 45 minutes to shower, get ready for the day, get their uniforms on, um, make sure their rooms are clean, make their beds with hospital corners, wipe their counters down, you know, clean their bathrooms. And then they're outside in formation. We would do some marching with them and it's, you know, then breakfast and they broke, get broken up into classes. And obviously we have kids that are 14 all the way up to, we had, I think, two 20 year olds. And historically, you would start at 14, right? And you would be in certain classes. 15-year-olds would be in certain classes and so forth. This year, everyone was a first year because it's our first year back. Right. So we had to divide it up by ages. So like the 14 and 15-year-olds did certain classes that were very basic. The 16-year-olds did classes, you know, a little more advanced. And then the 17, 18-year-olds, they kind of did like a recruit school type of a thing where they did some review on, you know, PPE, SCBA, um, and then moved into the advanced stuff where by the end of the week, they were with instructors responding to calls. Like we would do scenarios at our A building and B building um, and set different things up for them. And they would like get on the fire trucks and they would be toned out and they would respond and be have to mitigate the situations. Um, so it was just it, it, to sit back and watch all of it unfold for yeah. me was extremely surreal like this is just incredible that we did this and i can't can't wait for next year it, it legitimately took my son a week to reel down like i had to i had to stop like i said kevin you gotta stop calling me sir like it was yes sir i'm like we're not at the academy anymore kid we're we're, we're home i'm dad like, <laughs> we're okay i'm yeah. like slow down you know and, and but that that's the thing like you know, my son had no idea what he was getting himself. Actually, I got to tell you something. I didn't know what I was getting myself into because sure. we had just started our junior program in January. And then January 1st, this opened up and I had a couple of conversations with Mike. I'm like, what to expect? He's like, he's like, it's just going to be a good week. That's all I can tell you. It's like, we're really just going to put this thing together. We're going to have a good week. And then I told the kids, I'm like, here you go. Here's your, get these things in quick because these are going to fill up fast. And you guys are gonna have a blast, and I highly recommend you go. And then, out of my, out of my seven kids that I had at the time, five wanted to go, and they all went. Um, and actually, I gotta tell you, I was very fortunate because we did some fundraising in our town uh, for the kids, and all the kids got got their tuitions paid for. Nice. Um, so we, I put the kids on the hook for a hundred dollars because, but eighty percent of their tuition was paid for. Um, so what they is had, they, so how many kids and what's the tuition? So we have 55 uh, kids. We can take up to 60. This year we had 55. Um, and the tuition was $500. And that 500 literally only covered the food. Our catering bill was about 25000 for the week. Yeah. Um, and everything else we had to fundraise throughout the year. So we had a couple small events, a lot of uh, locals, um, associations, and a lot of our, you know, vendors, you know, stepped up to really help us out. And, you know, so we ended up pulling through with, you know, making our financial ends. They sure. were all met. Sure. And, 
you know, it was great to see. It was a little nerve wracking at first because it's like you look at the numbers of how much it's going to cost to of run course. this, and you're like, how how are we going to raise fifty thousand dollars, you know, to make this happen in six months or eight months? And it 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 happened. It came through, and thankfully, those departments really you know helped us out. And I went to go ahead. Yeah, no, please. Go ahead. I was gonna say, like, I, you know, over the course of those seventeen months, I went to countless, countless association meetings and chiefs breakfasts. You know, probably twice a month for seventeen months. You know, sure. trying to like pitch this and say, "Hey, guys, like, get your departments involved." Um, I quickly found out that there's two hundred and seventy-five departments in New Hampshire because I had to physically put the fundraising letters in those envelopes and yeah, seal sure. them up. Sure. Let me, Mike, let me ask you, man, a lot of work went into this and Derek, obviously for you too, but you know, Mike, where's the, where's the push? Is it because you were an explorer? I mean, is it because it did so much for you and the foundation for your love for the fire service? I mean, why, why are you so passionate? You put in so much time, so much effort, so much care. Why? I think for, for me, that, that week was always something so special and it's something we look forward to all year long. And like I said, as hard as it was, you know, like we would come out and, you know, go back to our rooms and our rooms would be tossed because they did room inspections and be up at 5 a.m. doing push-ups. But like, it's hard as you go through the week, but then when you leave, you're like, you know what? Like, it doesn't get better than this. You're with like-minded people and people that want to do the same thing, thing, people that have passion and pride in the same thing that you do. You know, for me, you know, going through high school, I think I was probably the only person in my high school that wanted to be a firefighter. Um, so being able to spend that time with other people that want to do that as well, why not? Right. That's the, it's the greatest thing. And honestly, being in my department, you know, it's a smaller town. There's lots of times where I'm going on calls by myself Yeah, and, um, the call departments aren't as active anymore and that's, you know, statewide and probably national too. Right. And just getting people back into the door. Like this is, this is a good job. This is like a sustainable job. This is a fun job. And if you can get the kids in now and say like, listen, this is, this is pretty amazing. Like, look what we can do. And realistically, where are you going to be able to say as a 14 to 17 year old kid, like I got to help cut up a car, right? I got to learn how to do trench rescue and, and tech rescue. And I got to go inside of a, a building that was filled with smoke and, and work the maze and see how these guys do these things. So my brother, um, I have a 14 year old brother and he went, he's got no experience in the fire service. He wants to be a doctor. And besides like going on the fire trucks with me, never really been around yeah, anything right. fire service related. And He's like, I want to go because he found out we were going to do some EMS classes. And one of the things we did for the younger group was they all got a CPR card. Yeah, right. For us, oh, look, not a big deal, right? But for, for these kids, they're like, I'm going to leave here as certified in CPR. That's amazing. And so he got to you know, show up and experience that having no knowledge whatsoever of, of anything fire service related or EMS. And you know, he still to this day is like, I can't wait for next year. I can't wait to go back to the academy. You know, and I think a lot of these kids got pushed to a new level. And that's a true story. You know, they're for the first time, like, you know, they can do these things in the station where we can set up these little mazes and, you know, run them through drills. But you then you get put into the academy with people you don't know, people from all over the state, frankly, for us, all over the country. And 
get put into these situations where you have to have the teamwork aspect forced on you, but it, and they worked it all out. These guys were doing it. They're doing the drills. They're doing the ventilation. They're they're riding the trucks, and it's it's just it's crazy to see. And they all loved it. And I think for a lot of them, they got pushed past their limits, and they had to. You know, getting taken out of your comfort zone in the fire service is something that happens all the time. And learning to adapt to that, especially as a team. You know, these guys. One of our one of my chief officers said, you know, you guys came in here as 55 strangers, even if you knew someone, even if you came with people in your own post, and now you're all leaving here as, as family, being able yeah. to like walk through the halls. Yeah. On because we had we had thunderstorms a couple of days, so their classes got cut short, I think, on two days. And they're sitting in the hallways, not on their phones, not like just, you know, ignoring everyone else. They're playing cards and they're laughing and having a good time. You know, one of the things that we push on them is is the responsibility and cleaning and you know, leaving your rooms clean in the morning. And we did room inspections this year. You know, that's one of the fun things for the staff to do. You know, granted, we couldn't do what we did when I was a kid. You know, we'd come out and our bed would be like out the window. You, know, you, yeah, can't, right. you yeah. can't do that anymore. Right. But we, we had fun with it. And it got to the point where I think the first day the kids were like, oh, man, like they're going to turn our beds over. And by the end of the week, this group had said to me, they said, chief, like you need to inspect our room last. And I said, I don't know if I'm doing them today because, you know, fortunately we were able to get John, you know, Chief Salka to come up. And he spent the night with the kids and did a presentation. Then he was our keynote speaker at the graduation. Nice. I had to go, I had to go pick the, you know, the chief up in his hotel. And I said, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be there for inspections today, but I'll, I'll do my best. And I said, no, you really, you have to do it today. I said, okay. So before I left to go pick Chief Salka up, I went and did this room inspection. And these guys like, Super clever, 15-year-old kids, right? So every room had two beds. They moved two of the beds into another room. So one room had four beds. And in this room, they set up like a fake nightclub. They had somehow one of the captains brilliant. go to Walmart the night before and get like a um, these a pool floaty, like one of those baby pools. Right, right, they right. put red strobe lights in the ceiling, and it's like a bowling alley. They, you know, conspiring against me, right, as the the big bad room inspector like watching how these kids didn't even know each other and now they're they're formed these teams and these bonds and you know obviously my brother went to the academy so i know for a fact and i've seen it because i've been to different meetings since these guys are all so so close now they're on like you know their snapchat groups and they're talking about like what are they when are they going to meet up what you know what events are they going to do together and um it's it's just it's I don't even, I think I'm still like in shock about how successful it was and the amount of pride in that, in ownership, right? That podcast that these guys and kids put into what they experienced that. Well, I mean, so many, that's it, right? 50, 55 kids walk through the doors as complete strangers. Maybe a few of them know each other. Right. And, and by the end of the week, they're so bought into not just the program, but each other. They have the abilities to really learn who each other are. Yep. By the time they walk out of there, they've made friends for life, but they've also pushed and challenged one another, regardless of age, sex, looks, you know, ethnicity, religion. It doesn't matter, right? And that's the beautiful thing about where we are today, right? Is the fire service is made up of so many different people. And when you put a group of people of all different colors, 
ethnicities, religions, sexuality, you put them all in the same room and they have to work together without outside influence. They always come out on top. And your program, your program has has certainly instilled that into these kids. And, And what you've done is set them up for tremendous success. And I started this conversation by saying, Some of the most important things the fire service do for people is teach them life lessons, teach them life skills, not just firefighting, not just forcing doors, extinguishing fire, throwing ladders and everything else that we get to do, which is the fun stuff on the fire ground. But it's also those life lessons. And when the kids can come away from a sleepaway camp is basically what this is. I mean, it's a sleepaway camp for fire, you know, for people that want to be firefighters, which in my world, I would have loved to have had a program like this when I was 15 years old. You know what I mean? I wish there were just even more fire explorer groups back in when i was growing up they were none none of this stuff was out there yeah none of this i mean i i remember in my, in my home department uh i turned 18 in the in the month that i turned 18 to be a regular member of my volunteer department the next month they opened the junior program at 16 so it's like oh like what like i right. you know, the last right. two years i guess you got gypped but it was a fact of life this episode is brought to you by the affordable standpipe prop Let's break it down real quick. Steve and the crew at Affordable Drill Towers is doing it again. They've created this fully custom and fabricated standpipe prop to support the fire service. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing piece of training equipment. And I want to hop into it real quick. It is designed with a 4-inch manifold of high-strength galvanized Schedule 10 pipe. The cart manifold are powder-coated red for a durable finish, meaning it's not just a talking piece. It's not something you tuck away on the shelf. This is a training prop that can be wheeled into the classroom and then brought out onto the training ground. And so let's talk about that. In the classroom, there's nothing better than having a hands-on prop in front of the students, in front of the fire companies that are there to learn about standpipe and FDC connections. Having that prop in the classroom allows for a great instructional lecture. And then from there, take the standpipe theory and translate it to the training grounds. You could wheel the cart out that's on casters. You wheel it out into the parking lot. And that same training prop that you just used hands-on in the classroom can now be used hands-on on the training ground by pumping into it and flowing out of it. It offers such versatility in its approach. It has a two and a half inch Siamese connection, seven two and a half inch outlets, six of which are standpipe valves, has a water motor gong, sprinkler head with a control valve, and a system pressure gauge. You can also upgrade and put three of the most common field adjustable PRVs. I'm telling you right now, this is a game-changing training prop that needs to be in every fire company or training department across the country. Reach out to Steve and the crew, info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Ask for a demo, ask for information, or check them out on social media and YouTube. There's plenty of content out there that shows you exactly what the affordable standpipe prop can do for you. This episode's brought to you by Taylor's Tins. Taylor and her crew at Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing aluminum helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 tins in the market, they are a leader in the helmet front space. Custom design, one-offs to department orders. They can turn them around within 24 to 48 hours. Customer service is what they pride themselves on and they provide nothing but top shelf product and service to their customers. Check them out at taylorstins.com and check out their full line of product offering. They've always been a very strong supporter since day one with the National Fire Radio podcast and platform. And Taylor and his crew have become dear friends of ours, and we appreciate the support. And at checkout, 
for a little extra bonus. Use coupon code NFR sent me. That's NFR sent me for a discount on your order. Exclusions do apply. Anyway, check out taylorstins.com for the latest and greatest offerings from Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Derek. But here's the thing, right? These programs are only as good as the people that are willing to put the time into them to make them successful. There's a lot of departments that have explorer programs. There's a lot of program. There's a lot of departments that have junior programs that have let them go by the wayside or just welcome these younger kids in and they fumble for themselves and have to find their way through. And it's just a, yeah. a way of saying that we're getting kids in the door earlier, but they don't have the dedicated people like we used to, to run and manage them. What you guys are doing there in your home departments is super important. But then when you bring it to the next level and you do this, you know, uh, a week-long program at the New Hampshire Fire Academy. I mean, that's whole nother level stuff, man. That's incredible. You're right. And, you know, I think, too, I've had probably seven or eight firefighters that came up to me throughout the week, and especially on graduation day, and said, listen, I want to tell you something, man. Like, my my flame had, had pretty much gone out. Like, my, sure, yeah. my passion for this job was, yeah. was dwindling. It was fading and you having having me here to to help and to teach these kids and to show them like what something that I'm so passionate about, you know, reignited that fire in me. And that to me is even like, you know, because we all know that every department has their things, right? And, that, you know, there's always some type of drama going on or controversy, whatever. But to to have firefighters even say, like, listen, like we got the passion back that we once had for this job, just being able to teach these kids and show them like what we're so passionate about. And, you know, so obviously it, it took, took a village for sure to, to put this on. And, and Mike's joining us now. He was Stop, Mike. Uh, hey, uh, good, man. You know, kind of like my number two. So like, I obviously as the chief did all the handled all the admin stuff and Mike was our operations guy and really was, you know, I was able to be out on the drill yard with them as much as I could be. There was a lot that went on behind the scenes that week. Um, but Mike was out there with them every day. And, you know, he made a huge, huge, huge impression on those kids. Um, it was a lot of fun. In a, in a great way. And he kind of like Derek, too, had no idea what to expect. You know, he didn't go through this program uh, as a teenager. So having Mike come in and, and really – take on that role was amazing and, and you know he did a lot a lot for those kids and they still talk about him constantly as well mike, mike do me a favor man i know you're late to the conversation but that's totally cool man what what i'd love to hear about from you though success stories right like how many kids came in that were maybe a little disconnected or a little shy or a little apprehensive yeah you know we had a lot of kids and i, I when i was uh I started this and I kept telling everybody, it's like I was a probie. I never did any of this. So I was brand new. So I was a probationary firefighter going into this. I didn't know what to expect from the, the from the guys and from the kids. Um, I'm always kind of a people person. So I can kind of read people. I can see the kids like who are a little shy, didn't really want to open up. We made an effort to, when we sat down for lunch and dinner and breakfast, we would break our groups up and we would sit sporadically throughout the cafeteria with all the kids. So it wasn't just the instructors or the advisors with just their little pocket. We made sure that we spread ourselves out and we actually sat down with a kid and talked with them and asked them how they were feeling. What did you think about today? What are you looking forward for today? 
What do you do in your off time? We made an effort to make sure that we were not just teaching them, but we were learning about them. So when we sat down for lunch, we part of our job was to make sure that we actually knew about them. And if I yep. saw a kid that was kind of reserved, not really wanting to open up to anybody, I'd sit down and just make jokes and we'd ask about the day or, you know, again, just try to find out what their favorite dog is or what do they like to do for, for school or what are they looking forward to it. And it's really helped them to understand that we were here not to just speak at them, but we were here to, to work with them. And it really actually opened up the most shy of kids to actually be receptive yeah. to what we're trying to show to them that it's teamwork and it's an atmosphere to learn and to make mistakes. And that's why I, I really drilled that into them that you're here to learn. There's no, there's no bad mistakes here. Right. You're going to learn as you go on the fire grounds. And so the ones who are really shy and really reluctant to actually do anything, they actually really, I think, blossomed and yeah. opened up because they knew it was okay to, to drop a tool. They knew it was okay that they didn't know what we were talking about. And we made sure we broke it down in the simplest of terms built it back up for them i'm just i'm sitting here smiling because i i just i can envision what it looked like um you know and jeremy you you, have, you should come the next time we have it i'd love to i'd love to extend an invitation when we get closer i would love to come yeah. up and see it firsthand i'd be honored to do it i'd be honored to speak with these kids at dinner yeah. or something and just have a conversation because i think there's so much here and and what i want what i was getting at right is that like i can envision an environment where the first couple of days was pins and needles, not knowing what to expect. And by the end of it, you had every single kid on the same level. It's, every day was controlled yeah. chaos. Yeah. Some, yeah. I'm, I mean, coming, I'm coming as the all, some are the alphas, right? Some of the all-stars, some play high school sports. They're aggressive, right? And they're outgoing. And then you have other kids that are much more introverted and unsure of themselves and they lack confidence, right? They're a little anxious. And at the end of a program like this, where everything gets checked at the door and everybody's treated the same and you build and you can build an environment of trust, right? These people will, ex they will succeed times 10. And, and we need more programs like this that are discipline. You know, there's discipline built in, there's structure and allows for just a kid, just a yeah, kid yeah. to just believe in themselves to make themselves feel better about themselves and their abilities. And I tell you, man, I can only imagine, I would think that every single kid that walks out of this, you know, this uh, Explorer Academy during that week, when they leave that day, I can tell you that you guys made a difference in their lives. I guarantee it. Jeremy, I watched 55 kids go from young uh, boys and girls to, you know, practically adults and i watched uh, the rest of us go find our inner child for the week yeah. i mean you know it, it really was amazing to see some of these kids walk in the door and they were just lost um i remember one cadet coming in she was crying and by the time this was all said and done she had so much confidence in herself yeah. and all the kids had so much confidence in themselves and, they, and, and and the whole thing is you know what what are we in the fire service we're a family right they walked away with as part of that family, just like my juniors. When I, when I do my juniors at the end of the end of at the end of a drill, they stay here. They don't leave the firehouse right away. I don't kick them out. I don't say, "All right, we're done. Go home." They stay. They have dinner with us. They hang around, you know. And and that's what we did up there. We we built that family, and these kids are are all still talking to each other. Yeah, you know, my son's constantly on his phone, yapping with Snapchat and you know, saying, Hey, what's going on? And they're, they're having fun. And, and when they come back up next year, they're going to, that family's going to be put back together. Again. 
but we also inspired a lot of adults to actually because of their education want to be instructors as well so we have a lot of people who felt that they were afraid to maybe step up and take that leap and try to be instructors they've never done it now they got the taste of it and so the, the adults who've never done this before never taught with kids they came back and said i want to do more of this i yeah. want to be a part of this and uh, even in our core group there were some that that were really kind of sat on the sidelines and were afraid to to step up but then they saw what what they can put in and they really are now taking charge and they, they're looking to either join a fire department or they're looking to take more in-depth fire classes to learn how to be an educator and because of which we all know it it's not that easy just to from the billiard and start teaching it's, right you have to learn how to break it down and they got to see that firsthand and they got the taste of it and they love it and they want to do more of it so they we i've got to make a lot of good friends from the adult side of things that i didn't think i was going to make i again i i was probably I had no idea what i was doing and then when i started meeting all these people and i made all these friends he cries a lot so Derek <laughs> cries all the time i do i love so it i do i, I get all emotions but yeah. It's funny because now I can joke about that. I didn't know who right. he was. And then sure. all of a sudden now we make jokes all the time that yeah. Derek cries because he's passionate. So he cries all the time, which is great. Um, so, but the people who were really um, shy themselves as adults, yeah. they got to go out and they got to be a little more, have a, a little more of a voice and understand what it means to, to lead and to have the knowledge that you don't think you have. And so now they're reading more books. They're, they're, I've inspired them to learn about county fire tactics and to read about Scott Thompson and, and Ray McCormack and, and guys that they didn't know existed. Sure. Now they actually, I got to point them towards those guys and say, read about these guys, listen to their podcasts. Just because you maybe not, might not be on a, a full-time department doesn't mean you don't have the knowledge. It's all out there. So yeah. they, and they really got that bite into them. So the adults themselves learned a lot just by being completely immersed for the full week of dealing with just not kids, but all the fire around them all just not fire but ems and just teamwork building for the adults for myself it was definitely a big teamwork atmosphere and I, I learned i came away with like when mike said that it lit a fire under people it lit a fire under me i i was completely depressed and i had i had a lot of things going on that really was just just down maybe down the dumps and then when i came out of this for the week i was i was on cloud nine i met so many people i i really made some good friendships and that's going to last a long time. And working with those kids helped me to realize that I am important, that I am knowledgeable, that I am worth something. A lot of times in the fire service, I think we, we get beaten down yeah. by whomever we're working under or with. And, you know, even just the calls we see or not even just the calls, the toxic atmosphere of your work environment, this shed all that. You're around people who just want to help. You're around people who just want to be there for the kids and the kids want to be there with you. And, come out for that week of just feeling completely refreshed it's better than a, actually i thought it was better than a, than a trip to, uh, to, on a vacation i really did as stressed as i was as the least amount of sleep i've ever had in my life it was i came out i don't know about you i slept pretty good I did not <laughs> well i'll, I'll say this it really re rejuvenates you yeah i'll say this i i can absolutely understand what you're saying i think when when there's something in place a program in place that's doing it right that it has the recipe is is spot on you know you look at the value you're bringing towards those kids those 55 kids that are there that are impressionable and what you're doing and setting the stage for them and then giving them an environment of trust and and belief and dedication and everything they need to set up for success 
of course you're going to get something out of that. That is an environment that just, you know, breeds happiness, breeds fulfillment, right? Fulfillment is so important. I talk about that all the time on my program. You know, you need to have that personal fulfillment and you have to find things that do that for you because it puts you in a good place. So it absolutely makes sense. I want to talk about real quick to um, the mission of this, right? I mean, the mission of Explorer programs, the mission of Junior Fire Academies is to get the younger generation involved in one of the best industries there are, right? The American Fire Service. And so we are all doing our part trying to get that next generation involved. The program like this certainly, certainly is setting them up for the ability to have an incredible career, whether they stay to, whether they decide to stay volunteer, if they want to make it a full-time career. But what you guys are doing, what's really cool is what you're going to see in 10 years from now is the stamp of how many guys and girls are now populating firehouses in the states around you that have sent them sent their kids to your academy. I mean, or been through it themselves. Hundred percent, absolutely right. And that is that to me is what what this is really all about, right? You're setting the stage and providing structure and knowledge early on for them to understand the impact you have by making your beds, being disciplined, doing calisthenics, you know, uh, the, the work, you know, uh, teamwork, all of it that goes into that week, you are really not just creating a, a better individual, but you're creating an individual that now believes in the sanctity of what we do. And that's the fire service. I mean, that's huge. Right. Absolutely. It's huge. My biggest shock for this, all of it was, I don't know if they touched on it, but it's not just fire. They, there was a lot of kids who loved the fire service. A lot of them loved the EMS side. Yeah. Amazing to find out. Which we need about half of them. Right. We're got a major shortage going on with EMS. And the fact that about half of those kids all wanted to do EMS. Yeah. Which was actually pretty impressive. Which we didn't expect. You know, that was something that came up. So the younger kids did the EMS stuff and the, the older kids, we kind of kept them more on the on the fire track. And when I did my chiefs meeting, one of the things they said was for the older kids, they said, we want to do more EMS. Like we didn't really get to do EMS. We did all fire and tech rescue stuff. And I was like, I was kind of blown away by that, that and the self, they, they wanted to keep the cell phone stuff. Um, you know, EMS obviously is probably 70 plus percent of what we do in the fire service now. Um, and, you know, I think for us, you know, we're running this camp, right? We wanted to give them all of the really, the fun, practical, um, physical fireground stuff to do and to find out that they wanted to do some of that EMS or, or CPR, stop the bleed. And we, we had a really good um, EMS division chief who, you know, lives and breathes EMS. He's an amazing paramedic. He works in a hospital as well. He runs his department. It's a pretty good sized department, their EMS division, right? And he was able to bring in some really cool stuff. He was showing them, you know, how to intubate using the, the video Lorenz scopes. Um, he had got, was able to get a couple life packs and, and uh, Zoll monitors and was able to show the kids 12 leads and how to use the IO drills. And, you know, so they got exposed to some pretty neat stuff that normal 14, 15 year olds would never be exposed to. But to even have those older kids say, hey, yeah, we kind of want a taste of that too. That would be pretty awesome. And, you know, I think one thing that we did last year was they got exposed to so much. I mean, their day, Jeremy literally was 5 a.m. until 10 p.m. And even after dinner, you know, we had them not in classes, but in presentations. So we had the arts and um, Solomon Rosman, who was one of our arts investigators, brought his arts and canine. We had a helicopter come one night and the flight team did a presentation. 
Pete Salka came in and did an amazing presentation. I think one of the coolest things for that was when talking to him and I planned this and I, he said, you know, I want to do a Q and a with them. Like I want to get their 100%. questions. I want it to be 100%. super laid back. Yep. And some of the stuff that they asked, I was amazed by like, you know, they asked all like the whole, you know, what do you prefer smooth bore or fog nozzle, you know, but I think one kid said, you know, what is your favorite in your career? What was your favorite firehouse meal? And, you know, I was blown away by that. It's very, you know, as a chef too, but like to hear Chief Salka talk about that experience, what his favorite firehouse meal was to those kids. And they were just like, you know, it was an amazing thing. And their days were just super, super packed. So to have them knowing that they want more and, you know, on the staff side, I don't think we could all handle it, but they, they, <laughs> they said, Hey, we want it to be longer next year. We want to go like more days. Yeah. And as amazing as that is to hear, right. Cause it's like, you did something right. We all did something right. That these kids want to not go home. There was kids that were crying when they came in cause they were nervous right. and then crying his son. Yeah. Crying, <laughs> crying when they I, had to leave. So was I, that like, kids did not, kids did not want to go home. Um, and I think the pride that they had, being able so Friday, the last day our graduation day, the first half of that was doing a like an FDNY type style family day, where they got to do everything that they did during the week for their parents. You know, it was kind of a cool setup. We had food trucks come for the families. The kids the got to, great. yeah, the, they got to do some roll-in drills, stretching lines, throwing a couple ladders, um, doing forcible entry on the door props. But seeing how happy the kids were to do that stuff for their parents and how happy the parents were, you know, with how the kids were doing it. Um, Cause I think a lot of those parents were nervous on Friday. We kind of had to like give them the nudge, like, okay, you drop the kids off. They're going to be fine. They're going to have an amazing week. Now go enjoy your week without, without your kids. Right. And go, go do your thing. Um, but I just, you know, looking at that Friday, that last day and watching all of that unfold and, and, the pride that those kids had and what they accomplished that even, you know, from the simplest things of now I know how to make hospital corners on my bed. You know, I made sure a graduation that the parents knew that, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, you know, that, that environment that you've created, you know, so I think about my own kids. I have two kids that could be in this program right now. My, my two youngest are 15 and 16 girls. And, um, you know, they're going to be a sophomore and junior in high school. And, um, you know, I'm thinking about like I should ship them off to be there for that week because they need it. Like, it, it's, bring them on up. It's so important, right? And I I think about like how parents parent today, how they micromanage their kids' every moves, right? How kids have they live alternative lifestyles that par most parents don't even know about on social media, right? There's this huge disconnect at home that didn't exist when I was a kid. Right. I mean, we, we got away with stuff, but my parents were pretty dialed in. They drove me everywhere. I played sports like I, you know, and so on. And, and I just think about today versus yesterday. And, and Derek, you brought it up before when we were talking about technology and phones and stuff. But my point is, is parents parent differently very much today than they did yesterday. Today we have life 360. Where's your kid? You just look up on your phone. You can see where your kid yeah. is like, and now they're, now they're being dropped off, turning their phones off. And the parents don't have access to their children for a week and have to trust that the environment there is going to do something for their kids, right? That they're going to be entrenched in. And, and I think what's really interesting about that is I bet you the parents had just as much anxiety as the kids did. Absolutely. When they yeah. the kids off. 
But to come back as a parent after a week and pick up your child and see a noticeable difference in them because of the environment that they were, uh, you know, privy to, man, like what a moment. I could only imagine how powerful that day was when that kid got in the car. First off, the kid didn't want to go home because home, home probably wasn't as good as it was at the academy. Surrounded by peers of of every make and 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 you know every color religion sexuality you name it they have everything there and yet all the bullshit was checked at the door right there was no outside influence and they they were able to build this you know build this incredible group around themselves they insulated themselves with people that it didn't matter like they were i think of the breakfast club the jock the geek <laughs> yes yeah. nerd, that's right? 100% what it was and you bring yeah. them all together in one environment they're going to flourish. And then when they go to go home, the reason why they don't want to go home is because they have to go back to reality. You guys, you guys gave them such incredible tools to lean back on when they need them going forward. That kudos to you guys, man. True. And and one of the things that I tried to to message these kids who has a message was, so one of these days you're going to be riding backwards with this, with, with the person beside you. Like this is going to be your, your, your partner someday. And like, that's how the fire service works you're like you meet somebody then a couple of years later like oh guess who's joining the department and the next thing you know you're riding backwards or or this kid's in the seat and he's riding backwards with you like you know or you show up at a, at a job and you go mutual aid and the next thing you know you're seeing a buddy that's uh you haven't seen in a couple of years and he's pulling ceilings with you and like that's the reality of this um you know one of the things that really impressed me about these kids a lot is they weren't really intimidated by the people that I'm intimidated by because we, when, when I went through the academy, we had these hardcore instructors that would come in and, you know, and these kids just, they, they took on to them, they latched on to them, they became friendly with them. I mean, we're talking some heavy hitter, um, you know, instructors like your Bob Welch's, your James Adam Mills, your Adam Iverson from Manchester Rescue One. These are, these are guys that like, they're good instructors. And I don't think some of these kids even realize like, the level of instruction they got throughout the course of the week was so high. Yeah, The bar was so yeah. high for these kids. And, yeah. you know, I get videos of all these kids going in. Uh, we have a, one of our burn buildings is a propane building. And I got videos of these kids going in and flowing water and, and putting water on the fire. And you know something? They all looked like they had been doing this forever. By the time the week was over, it looked like they were they they knew what they were doing, and and that was a testament to the people who gave up their time, yeah, who donated their time for the benefit of the job, because ultimately this is what it's about. It's about the job going forward. Well, it's leaving it better than you found it, yeah. right? And that's I think kind of what this whole thing like is about is is bringing these kids in, showing them something that we're all passionate about, hoping that in 15, 20 years, thirty years, you know, we're not doing it anymore that these kids are now in, in the spots that we're in continuing this tradition, um, whether it's in, in New Hampshire or Massachusetts, Florida, Idaho, that doesn't matter. It, it's if you have passion for the job and you have passion for what we're doing, then, you know, and helping people, right? Like I think a big thing for us that we, you had talked about, Mike was it's for them, right? It's we're yes. there for them. It's not, it's not even about us. It's you're there for the customers. You're there for those the citizens, um, and really trying to instill that in them too. Like why why are you here? You're here for them. We're not here for ourselves, and but being able to pass that tradition on to the younger generation, they continue it. You know, so in ten years, we're, they're not getting on a podcast somewhere and saying, "Oh yeah, we had to restart this program because it died out." Like no, this program will never die out, and you know. Um, 
we had a lot of people that said to me when I brought this back, they said, you know, the last couple of years, they only had 15, 20 kids, you know, you're not going to sell it out. And I, you know, you know, historically this program sold out in two weeks. If you got that application in the mail from the council, you had mom and dad putting it back in the mail the next day or you weren't going. Right. And, you know, we sold out this year in like two and a half, three weeks. It was January 1st applications went live and by like right before Valentine's day, I was able to say that sold out. Well, well, I'll tell you this talking about it here and we're going to, we're going to leave it when we're done. Uh, I think your enrollment's going to go uh, up to 60, no problem. And probably a wait list because there's a lot of young kids that listen to this program. Um, yep. I find myself being influential with a lot of these younger kids that are, that are falling in love with the fire service. Um, and a program like this is wild. Like it's just sitting here today for an hour with you guys learning about what you're doing, learning about what you're, what you're building there. It's exciting. And when you hear, when you hear about, you know, programs like this, that's why it was important to me to sit down for an hour today and chat with you guys, because I want to learn more about it. I want to shine exposure. I want to put exposure on it. I want to shine a spotlight, a spotlight on it. I want to challenge people in other places to look at this program, to reach out to you guys, to find out how you do it. And maybe they can do it where they are. You know, um, Chris Ussery, I, I spoke with her a few months back on the podcast and she runs the, uh, like a, a junior cadet program for Virginia beach and Virginia beach is a big job. I think they have five, 600 guys on the line, um, you know, and so on. It's a big job, but they have a cadet program that they bring in kids from their community and what they're building literally is the next generation of career firefighters for Virginia Beach Fire Rescue. It's a super smart program, but they have such buy-in. The kids are so into it that they get to do this. And the program has done so much for the kids. I think after this, especially with your podcast and all of our social media, like Mike said, like we didn't get much buy-in in the beginning of this. But, you know, it was unfortunate throughout the state. It didn't really, it didn't really happen. Then they saw it and then, then people wanted to say, wow, this is really, this is really something special. And they, they've, they've done a, an amazing job. Now there's buy-in from the state and from other departments saying, yeah, we're going to get people out of this. If we, right. if we contribute yeah. and show ourselves and show our face and show our name, now we're going to get people out of this because New Hampshire runs different than like Massachusetts. Like you have to have your, your criteria before you can even join a fire department as a career member. So it's, it's way different. So now they can actually see we've got people coming up and we have, we're having 60 kids every year being inspired and wanting to go to the academy. After this, they're going to go and, and do recruit class or they're going to sign on with another call department and they want to get through the fire academies and then they can go through a full, to become a full-time member. So they actually, if these local departments actually understand it, they get the buy-in, they get their money back by helping us grow this program they can turn a blind eye and, and say, well, I'm not going to get anybody. It'll be, it'll be a year from now, but that's your, your retirement's always happening. They're always yeah. cycling out. Mm -hmm. You have kids or, who are just begging to go in there and do work. And if you actually invest in them and invest in this program, you're going to keep getting that cycle in of these brand new kids, 60 kids every year who want to become firefighters in the fire service. And you know something, Jeremy, for myself, <clears throat> me doing me doing my junior program and me doing this academy, this is this is like my way, and I'm sure Mike's way and Michael's way. This is our way of paying it forward. This is our way of of making sure we sustain what we what we love 
and make sure that the people who come back and love it as much as we do. And, and I think that's a really important part of this. Like, you know, we've just seen it over the years, people do take the job and, you know, <clears throat> Uh, because they could score well or whatever the reason is we want we want to bring the kids in that love the job and say you know something this is fun like we're we're we we instill it on them this is the best job in the world and and when they walked out of that academy they all felt the same way like this is the best job in the world like what what else do we want to do with with our lives moving forward you and know I, that's I, what I, we're trying to that's the message we're making i can tell you this there's not many um programs out there uh jobs out there that are a lifestyle. The fire service is a yeah. lifestyle. And I think what's really interesting too, and I keep thinking about it in my brain, I want to say it before we wrap, is I think about the different kids. And I've been touching on this a lot because I think about my own upbringing and I think about kids today. I talk a lot about this, the difference in generations and, and bridging the gap between young and old and so on. Programs like this do that. But I also think about the kid that's leaving that was less sure of himself is now a little more sure about himself. The kid that came to your academy that gets bullied every single day at, at school or at home. He's not treated fairly. And now you've given him a week away from that where he can recharge and maybe understand how to stick up for himself a little bit more or the bully that attended your class, the, that, that bully that picks on kids now went through this, but spent a week with kids that aren't like him. And he's their kids are more like the kids that maybe he's bullying. And now when he gets back to school, he thinks twice or doesn't at all anymore bully anyone anymore. Like those are those life impacts that you guys are making. You are, you are packaging the fire service to these kids in a way that's teaching them so much more than just firefighting or first aid. You're teaching them life. And I think that these kids need direction and you guys are certainly creating an environment of direction for them. And so I, I applaud the three of you and the countless volunteers that helped along the way. Um, it is called the New Hampshire Emergency Services Explorer Training Academy. Um, I'd like to challenge anybody that listened to this episode to reach out, learn more about them. Guys, where can they find out more about your program? Where can they go get information? How do they contact you? So we have a website. It's www.nhesta.org. It's a long name. I'll um, put it. I'll put it in the comments on the uh, you know in yeah. the description of the podcast for sure. So, you know we have we have social media. We have the Facebook. It's under the same name. Instagram is just the N H E S E T A. Um, you know, and definitely send people over. We actually we have one of our first major fundraisers coming up in a couple of weeks. Our, we're doing a golf tournament. So anyone in the New England area, come up play some golf uh, September eighth, and uh, you know it's just. You know, like you just said, right? And I, you know, you asked me earlier, like why I'm doing this. And I was that kid that, you know, had a hard time in school and definitely got bullied. And so for me, the fire service um was my escape. It was my happy place, if you will. And you know, I was the only explorer on my department. And it, you know, they kept it going, you know, I think for me, um, because technically you need a certain amount of people. And we never had that. They always just kept me on. Um, but that week for me was was that time where I felt like I, I had friends and I made good friends. And um, I got that escape and got to be with people that enjoyed doing yeah. the same things that I did. You know, because yeah. what's what honestly, what's better than riding a fire truck, right? Nothing. Nothing. Well, putting out fires. Yeah, putting out <laughs> fires, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, listen, the fire service is made up of a lot of misfits, man all of us included. And um, when you can put 
all the misfits together, especially at a younger age, they realize that these, a lot of these kids realize they're not alone. And, right. um, and when you can put them all together, unbelievable things can happen. And I truly believe that that's what you guys are doing. You have created an environment that fosters the very best of what the fire service stands for. And I challenge you guys to continue with this program, grow this program. And, uh, and you guys are really and truly making a difference in not just the lives of these kids, but also the fire service. And um, I just want to thank you three for joining me today on the podcast. Great episode, some unbelievable information. And um, to sit here and to know directly that you guys are making an impact like you have. Bravo. Awesome, guys. Thank you very, Jeremy, very much. Jeremy, Jeremy uh, real quick. Mm -hmm. i just like to, um, if we could just dedicate this yes. episode um, to Chief Brian Murray of the Atkinson Fire Department. Um, he was an active duty chief um, who uh, died, unfortunately, um, doing what he loved to do. Uh, being up north and cutting wood and next thing you know he had just had a medical event and we lost him and he was a very big supporter of my uh, junior group when I first started up um, <clears throat> anything I needed he was there anything I wanted he would have found it for me um, but he was a great chief and um, between him and we lost a, a member of the Plastow Fire Department John Wood um, three days later um, he was a double lung transplant who started his fire career as an explorer um, and uh, to lose both of them um, in a week was a, a big loss to our area and to our departments. And uh, I want to dedicate this uh, episode to them too. Um, it means a lot to me. Yeah, well, honored. And um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, the memories of our brothers are super important and uh, we can't lose sight of that. So absolutely, brother, thank you for, for sharing that and, and telling us who they were um, and, and the impact they had for sure. So I appreciate that. Fellas, thank you. I wish you, you tremendous success with the program. Um, please keep me in mind as next year's program comes up. If I yeah. can certainly do, I don't know, be there, show up, say hello, yeah. talk to the kids for a few minutes. Uh, I don't know. We can figure it out. I don't know what my schedule looks like next June. Um, but uh, I'm pencil us in now. <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. My life yeah, we'll, um, is we'll reach out for sure. Please do. We'll love um, to have you. Yeah. And I just, I wish you guys nothing but tremendous success with it. And, and it sounds like that's where you are and that's what you're going to continue to do. Um, I know it's hard, the amount of time and effort that goes into it. Um, but I can assure you that uh, when you have any doubts, think about those kids that you're impacting and, and those doubts will subside and you guys will push through and make this program better than it was this year. You'll make it better next year and next year and next year. So congratulations on a job. Well done. Thank you for joining me on the podcast guys. Uh, again, it's the new emergency services, Explorer training Academy, the N H E S E T A. Check them out on social media. Check out their website. We'll post the links in the bio or in the uh, podcast description. And um, thank you, Derek, Mike and Michael. I appreciate you guys joining me today on the podcast. Have a wonderful day and good luck. And thank, thank you. you. Thank Thanks, you for guys. educating our next generation. I appreciate you guys very much. Stay right here. I'm just going to sign off the podcast and I'll come right back to you. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Everyone. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of the national fire radio podcast. What a great episode shaping our next generation. We need more of it. And I challenge you this, you could do it on a small level, right in your firehouse, grab the youngest kid in your firehouse and teach them something today. Talk to them, show them something impact their upbringing in the fire service because it matters. You want to do a bigger program? Do it because you're affecting change and making our job better. And when we make our job better, well, then we all do better. And uh, so take this conversation 
take it back to the firehouse and talk about it. Cause when you talk about the job, we're making the job better. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy national fire radio.